It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. So recording here a little bit later than normal. My apologies. Tuesday morning for our weekly Patriots kind of film focused review of their last game. I got back on a red eye Sunday night from Vegas before that in Tucson, before that in Phoenix. And the Patriots game against the Raiders, as we all know, will not stay in Vegas. Uh, It's going to come back with them because they are seven and seven. And that game will live in infamy, at least in recent Patriots history. Some wanted to go NFL history. Look. I don't care to go down the entire catalog of football stupidity. It's a sport that's over 100 years old, but we all know what that play was and what it meant for the Patriots season, which is now if they want to extend it into the playoffs, those hopes are on life support. You're looking about 20% according to 538. You need to win at least two of three from Cincinnati on Saturday, Miami on New Year's Day, Buffalo on January 7th or 8th, and you need to get all three to guarantee yourself a playoff spot. Now, I don't care to focus a whole lot in that last play. We're going to touch on it in a second, and we're going to go down my film notes. Huge mailbag here today, probably more of a therapy session um, as we get into what happened on Sunday. But ultimately, the value of that game, now two days removed from all the hysteria and understandable frustration about this team and what the happened, is what it means moving forward. Now, we just covered what it did to their playoff chances. Had the Patriots won, their playoff odds would have been up to about 64%, and you're feeling really good winning two out of three and getting into the playoffs. That's obviously off the table. What I'm talking about is next season, and I'm not looking ahead of the draft. I'm not talking about free agency. It's all the changes that everyone's been hinting at or talking about. The noise gets louder and louder and louder the last couple of weeks because at this point, the Patriots have shown you who they are, and you need to trust them on this. This is a 7-7 seven and seven team that is routinely making more pre-snap penalties in offense than anybody else in the league. And when you look at Las Vegas, we need to start in the obvious place, which is, of course, Winston Churchill late in World War II, who said, never let a good crisis go to waste. Now, that last play was plain and simple, a boneheaded play, the most boneheaded play in recent Patriots history. Jacoby Myers from Andre Stevenson literally gave away, at worst, was a tie. And people want to use this game as kind of a vehicle for any priors they had about this offense. You don't like Mac Jones? He was 13 to 31, 112 yards. The guy sucks. Numbers say it right there. Second worst adjusted completion percentage of his career, 53%. Meaning when you take away the throwaways, the drops and the spikes, he's only getting the ball on time and in place half the time. You think it's on the coaching? That Raiders defense was worst in the league 
against the pass by DVOA. And you score one, one offensive touchdown there in the fourth quarter, thanks to Myers and Stevenson going on late. Where was the game plan here? Or you think it's all in the receivers? Look, it'd be hard to argue against you on Sunday. You know who led the Patriots in catches? That would be Pierre Strong. He had three, a rookie running back from South Dakota State. Three catches, 12 yards, everyone else below him. And you look at someone like Nelson Aguilar, one catch, one single catch, a screen for three yards on six targets. Couldn't separate from anybody against the worst pass defense in the league. Here's the thing, though. It's all bad. It's all so bad. There is no single explanation. Whatever you came into that game feeling, you are only further emboldened. I'm here to say, put the blame on everybody. Because this was so bad, and it has been so bad, you could almost forgive Jacoby Myers or Mondre Stevenson for losing the game, or at least giving away a tie on that last play. Because that's all it was. It was a boneheaded play, an unexpected, unplanned, improvised lateral to another lateral that led to disaster. Because the Patriots are not in that game. The Patriots are not even in this playoff conversation without them. Two longest plays of the day on the previous drive or two drives earlier. Steven Sissor's touchdown, career high 172 yards. They're the only bright lights in this entire offense. Don't absolve them of all the blame, but just know it's not on the quarterback. It's not on the coaching. It's not on the weapons. It's on everybody. And that's how bad it was. That the worst play here you could almost forgive. One of the dumbest plays in NFL history you could almost forgive because of everything that led up to it. On Sunday, and of the Patriots 13 games before this, in what is a true crisis on offense from top to bottom. So for the Patriots, they need to look at this, obviously, and evaluate everything. Starting with the coaching, of course, Matt Patricia cannot return as a de facto offensive coordinator, certainly not the offensive play caller. You need a better quarterbacks coach in there. In my full-on film review, which I spent all day doing yesterday after the red eye going to bed at midnight. I didn't, I didn't want to jump into this and not have my thoughts all collected. They're all there. You can read them. His footwork was a mess. Those first two misses, simple out routes, his favorite route is rookie. One of his highest, uh, you know, safest routes that he's been throwing. Any quarterback does airmailed. His footwork was a mess. It's a fundamental thing that Joe judge has been preaching as his quarterbacks coach. And one of the few things you can drill as an inexperienced coach, the fundamentals and techniques, forget all the fluff, Forget all the stuff in the edges, all of the situational third down arm angle stuff you want to change off platform. No, just have your feet pointed in the correct direction. And Mac Jones couldn't do it. You need to evaluate that. You need to look Mac as, an, as obviously your franchise quarterback. I don't want to get into that conversation, but I will say he believes he could add the 55 yard Hail Mary. I could go either way, whether they should have attempted that. If you wanted to take a shot, that was certainly the better play to try to score. If you want to kneel the clock out, just Neil the clock out. Um, he underthrew Nelson Aguilar in a 50-yard bomb in the middle of the fourth quarter that if he had gotten an extra five or 10 yards behind that, goes for a touchdown. He was behind Ron Harmon, the safety. He was behind Amik Robertson, the corner, and he had to come back to the ball. Aguilar did, and it was incomplete. So it's not the same situation. It's not an analogous one for one with Hail Mary, but you look at some of the arm strength and talent across the league, and the ceiling questions we had about Mac coming into the draft before he's even in New England, are surfacing here and there. Bottom line, full top to down, top down evaluation of this offensive operation, which is the worst offense since Bill Belichick's first year in 2000, and probably going further, DVOA would tell you back to 1995. It's a disaster. It's held them back. And somehow, they're actually 7-7. Seven and seven. So 
these episodes, as you know, the good, the bad, uh, after losses, instead of game balls, we do, we need to talk. And then it's what would NFL film say in the aforementioned mailbag. But this is, it's a disaster, catastrophic loss. And it was all brought on by the offense. They couldn't score. And the two guys that made that happen and gave it away. Because ultimately, look, Myers is a smart kid. He knows better. He was incredibly accountable. And he deserves all of the Twitter acknowledgement that he got off, that he got after that game. People like myself, Chris Mason, other people on the beat. But you just can't have it. But when you lean on guys like him or a second-year player in Ramondre Stevenson, young players inevitably are going to make these mistakes more than veterans. And right now, you just don't have the personnel to lean on because Aguilar's not producing. Kendrick Bourne had yet another drop. Hunter Henry and John Smith are in witness protection, save for Henry's drop and a couple more targets for him. It's it, Again, it's just bad, 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 bad. Hey, guys, a quick break for a holiday gift from me to you. It's a reminder that Bet Online remains your number one source for all your sports betting needs this season. NFL, college football, bowl season, esports, and the end of the World Cup. You'll find the latest odds on all of those, plus team matchup info, player news, game trends, all at betonline.ag, where Bet Online features live betting, free contests, and live scores for any sport or game. Bet Online is the fastest and the easiest way to bet all your favorite leagues and events. So head online to betonline.ag. .ag to join and receive your 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Make sure to use the promo code CLNS50, that's CLNS50, to receive your reward at BetOnline, where the game starts. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Okay, on to the good. I mentioned they're seven and seven somehow. This is obviously due to the defense. And when you look in that second half before the Raiders come back and Derek Carr goes, you know, 81 yards, touchdown. We all saw Keelan Cole's toe was out of bounds. It was by hair. The officials said they couldn't overturn it because they didn't have enough evidence. The photo I saw was not available to them at the time, but indeed he was out of bounds. Patriots had two adjustments that held the Raiders in that second half, A, scoreless, and B, to 2.2 yards per play. And they were these. One, they pivoted to more zone coverage. They got burned in two key plays in the first pass, first half playing man-to-man. Uh, Adrian Phillips slips on the touchdown to Darren Waller. Before that same drive, Keelan Cole, long dig route, man-to-man versus Miles Bryant. We all knew the Raiders had better weapons than the Patriots did defensive backs, and that was especially true when Jalen Mills got ruled out and then Jack Jones was out pregame. So they pivot and play some more zone. And then they also stuck with some more nickel personnel because Josh McDaniels trots out these, you know, six offensive linemen packages. And hello, Jakob Johnson, old friend, with all the fullbacks and 21 personnel. The Patriots responded to that with more base defense. So your old 3-4 alignment. And what they did in the second half was said, okay, that might be better at stopping the run than Josh Jacobs, but we're really limited from a coverage standpoint of what we can do. We're not having... Jamie Collins and Anthony Jennings and Jelani Tavai matching up with man-to-man. They know they know we're in zone, and they'll get us either off play action or some of our simpler routes over the middle, you know, against this zone, some zone beater concepts. But if we go play our three safety stuff or a little bit of three corner and stop the run well enough, that unlocks every coverage 
we could want to run. And that's what worked. The pass rush feasted because they stopped them on early downs. And Derek Carr was consistently in third and seven, third and nine, sometimes third and 12, because the Raiders had actually more offensive penalties than the Patriots, 13 total for the game, which was highest in the NFL this season. And so more zone, more nickel to stop the run and then lock down the pass. The problem was the pass rush just gave out here in the second. I guess we're already spilling into the bad, but you, but you deserve to know what happened in the lead up to the reminder Stevenson play and Jacoby Myers. They had one pressure, one single pressure on that last drive out of nine dropbacks. And before that drive, they had been getting to Derek Carr on two out of every five, 40%. So 40% drops down to 11% because your pass rush just tired out. You don't have the horses. They were still playing mostly zone. You even had some concepts where, you know, they singled up Devontae Adams on the backside on a three by one when he's a solo receiver. And then the three guys to the opposite side were all covered in zone. It's just, you give that offense with that much talent enough times, the dam is going to break. And incorrect call or not, that's what happens because the pass rush just couldn't get home. Uh, part of that pass rush, though, back to the good. <laughs> Juwan Bentley, 10 tackles, two pressures, a sack. And Gerard Mayo said a couple of weeks ago in a Zoom with reporters that he doesn't understand why Juwan Bentley doesn't get as much love. Well, here it is, Gerard. Juwan Bentley has been a top three defender at worst, you could argue top two, for the Patriots over the last two months. Matt Judon has started, at least his production has started to fade down the stretch. One pressure against the Raiders, one against the Bills a couple of weeks ago. Dashuche obviously coming on, really helped by three sack games against the Jets and the Cardinals, which is really boosting that season-long sack total. Juwan Bentley, on the other hand, has been steady, Eddie. And partly, this is a coaching decision to blitz him more than the Patriots ever have before. He entered that Bills game on December 1st, having already blitzed this season more than in any other year beforehand okay and he's getting home i mentioned the sack the two hurries part of that is by design patriots were dropping judon off the edge understanding the raiders were going to slide their protection to the edge that freed up space in the middle boom there comes juan bentley Bentley also has been covering much better and obviously doing his duties against the run now he's going to be good for one play every couple of weeks where he just gets his ankles broken because the dude's 6'3 and 250 but the instincts as i've said before keep him a step ahead of a lot of those plays and make up for that kind of lack of straight line speed or agility. And when you get a guy now in his prime, who's building up that experience, which is only going to enhance those instincts and take it a half second to maybe three quarter of a second faster. And he's just bull rushing you and building out his pass rush. He is a very good linebacker and has been for the last two months. The only other contenders for the kind of best Patriots player on that side of the ball um, during that time would be Judon and, and Josh Uche. And that's it. Elsewhere, Lawrence Guy, nice game. Um, he also had two pressures, also had a half sack. Uh, Bentley had a full sack. But Lawrence Guy did a lot of the dirty work, as you would expect, for an interior lineman on early downs. And you, it was especially obvious versus some of these zone runs that Josh McDaniels kept going to on the left side. And they didn't target Matt Judon as much as you would expect, uh, like Minnesota did on early downs, running at him to kind of wear him out. But Guy was getting penetration, very quick reaction to these plays where, again, you see the offensive line flowing all in the same direction, no pulling guards or, you know, tight ends going backside or whatever it might be, any sort of trap or power or counter plays. What you saw was Guy recognizing that and trying to get penetration. You don't want the running back just to be allowed to make a read based on how the offense line is making the defense flow and either cut back or hit it straight on, you know, or go all the way back and bounce it. So 
credit the Lawrence guy. Not as good of a game for Devon Godchild. That's now two in a row. I would even say maybe three going back to Buffalo for him. And this is a player that the Patriots extended preseason, something that we were a little skeptical of in the pot at the time. But Lawrence guy, credit to him, um, did a lot of the drilly work on early downs. Last one, offensive line. Talk about another surprise good here. They allowed uh, five pressures of Mac Jones by my count. That put him just over 20% for the game. Perfectly paddable palatable number in today's NFL and especially against the two guys Max Crosby and Chandler Jones who my understanding were the only two guys the Patriots offensive staff really game plan for the entire week down in Arizona and they gave some help to Connor McDermott right tackle chips from running backs as you expect tight end staying into double team on occasion McDermott gave up two pressures two quarterback hits Trent Brown allowed a hurry and a quarterback hit to Chandler Jones who hit him with this like half spin move and then spun all the way back kind of like a fake spin and then went back to his traditional edge rush. But overall a good job and also a decent job run blocking where, you know, I mentioned Rondre Stevenson, 172 yards. It was a career high 126 of those were after contact, but on the counter runs where if you notice the guard pulling and it's not always counter, it could be power. The difference is if you see a guard pulling out ahead of the running back and he's hitting a guy unblocked, on the end of the line of scrimmage, that's counter. Power is when you see the guard pulling and he goes up and through to the second level to hit a linebacker because the tight end has taken the guy at the end of the line of scrimmage. So power is alignment coming up to the second level to grab a linebacker, really more of a lead block. Counter is to hit the guy who's unblocked at the end of the line of scrimmage. So those runs were working very well. And no surprise, we've been talking about man block runs versus zone for this offense for a long time. Thought the O-line deserved a shout out uh, because it doesn't happen a whole lot. And they came to play against the Raiders and cleared room for a lot of necessary rushing yards. Out of the bad, uh, Mac Jones. He was the center of my film review. I mentioned the footwork. You look at his first two incompletions, the miss to John o. Smith on second to goal of one on a little corner route where Smith was wide open. It's the most fundamental thing about footwork. You just need your feet pointed not necessarily your toe but kind of the plane of your feet if they're side by side in the direction of your target okay so it's like like your front shoulder before you start to throw that needs to be pointed along with your feet towards where you intend to throw the ball and his on all three of those incompletions way behind and you saw him overthrowing because he didn't open up as it was explained to me mark schofield front of the pod that that doesn't allow you to kind of follow through with your hips. You don't have this kind of hallway where you step a little bit left for a right-handed quarterback, you know, again, just ahead of your target. So as you throw, the rest of your body comes through and that's where you deliver it exactly where you want to go because you're getting that power and that drive from your hips and your back leg that allows you to follow through. When he's not parallel A to the target and stepping way behind him and starts to follow through, you start to overcompensate with your arm. And that's why you saw him sail a ball to Smith Taekwon Thornton early on and Jacoby Myers before that. So Mac, ultimately the number you need to know, I already said it, 53.6% adjusted completion percentage according to pro football focus, second worst of his career. And that strips away spikes, throwaways, and drops. He's only getting the ball on time and on place half of the time. And that's just not going to cut it in addition to the footwork stuff. There were some scheme issues, sure. And the receivers didn't help him sticking with the bad Nelson Aguilar. I, I just... He's going to be off this team soon when his contract expires. I would be shocked if he comes back. I was optimistic, as if you've been listening since the summer, about a breakout because I thought it was just some bad luck in his part. But he just can't get connected with Mac Jones. And when you look at 
the incompletion, it was that third down that after the incompletion to Smith, he has this like little in route, look more like a slant. This is where the timing of the routes, when we talk about this, comes into play, where things have to be so exact, and especially in the red zone, you see Max's reaction. He's taking his arm and kind of, you know, whipping it over and saying, just kind of get over there, like move left to right. And Aguilar gave this little hesitation move at the line. Then Mac throws and McRobertson, who again, the Patriots relentlessly picked on seven targets here against that kid. He only allowed one catch. Credit to him. Um, gave him time to make up for that. Aguilar didn't shield Robertson off enough. It gets batted away. And that's where between the move and the inability to kind of play like a power forward, create space with your body and shield off to give off, which is just a one yard throw, one yard. That's where it starts to fall on receiving. Beyond that, downfield, he had one underthrown ball for Mac. Otherwise, was not separating very well for a guy with his speed. You just you have to way you have to find a way to get open downfield. He wasn't doing it. I mentioned Kendrick Bourne, another drop. Um, Jacoby Myers at least drew two flags before you know the play at the end, and then had the longest gain down the seam for 34 yards and two point conversion. Nice little jerk route. Same route you'll remember from Julian Edelman scoring uh, against the Seahawks in uh, Super Bowl 49. That was again another game plan call. Well done. But overall, Aguilar Bourne just didn't cut it. And you can't have that. Taekwon Thornton also one catch on, I think it was, let's see. Yeah. Four targets, 21 yarder first quarter. That was it. Hey guys, we're going to hit pause in the Patriots here for just a second to talk about something really important. And that's bedtime stories. Yes. The tales that had us feeling cozy in our bed and ready for a good night's sleep. Some of us enjoyed a fair tale ending, maybe hitting a walk-off home run or scoring a game winning touchdown. So why shouldn't we have the same comfortable feelings when we try to go to sleep as adults as we drift off to sleep? Because the Calm App's immersive sleep stories make falling into relaxed and restorative slumber a breeze, bringing you back to the well-rested nights of childhood and hitting those homers and scoring those touchdowns. And I'm super excited to announce we're partnering with Calm, the number one mental wellness app to give you the tools that improve the way you feel. For the last year plus, it's helped me reduce stress and anxiety through things like guided meditation. It helps improve your focus, with curated music tracks and help you rest and recharge with those imaginative sleep stories. It can work for kids or adults. There's even new daily movement sessions designed to relax your body and uplift your mind. And right now, if you go to calm.com backslash garden, you will get a special offer of 40% off, 4-0, of a Calm premium subscription where new content is added every single week. Over 100 million people around the world use Calm to take care of their minds because it is always ready on long days or short ones to help you stress less, sleep more, and live a happier, healthier life. So for listeners of this show, Pat's Interference, the best-looking Patriots fans and smartest around, Calm is offering an exclusive offer of 40% off a premium subscription at calm.com backslash garden. Go to calm.com slash garden for 40% off unlimited access to Calm's entire library. That's calm.com slash garden. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Um, we need to talk, uh, coaching. Look, the, the numbers speak for themselves from a penalty standpoint. It's just, it's terrible. It's awful. 
You, you can't have this many false starts. Connor McDermott overlooked penalty inside of three minutes to go. You're up 24-17. False start takes you from second and seven to second and 12. And this offensive line's banged up. But Stevenson had already gone for over 170. And you're not telling me that they can't run the clock out when Vegas doesn't have three timeouts. And yeah, it'll hit the two-minute warning because they did it week two against Pittsburgh. It's a long time ago. This is a bad defense. And you know the plays that we just talked about were working, a lot more counter. But when you go back from second and seven after the fall started second and 12, okay, you're not running that clock out. You're not getting 12 yards and two, two handoffs. And so those penalties go back to coaching. And everything about the mismanagement of taking two timeouts down to the red zone when they get there and can't score from the one-yard line also go back to coaching. Like this is just fundamental for Mac, to the offensive line, to the play calling. It, it, it needs an overhaul. And I don't know how and when it's going to happen. We're going to have plenty of the offseason to discuss that. But this game, as I mentioned, was a full-on crisis, top-down. And the worst part about it was all of the work done by the coachings that led to that effort against the worst pass defense in the league. And that's all that you could squeeze out. Okay, what would NFL Films say about the game that you hated most of the season? I'll keep it short and sweet. Obviously, we got the Belichick-McDaniel storyline, master versus, versus pupil. Uh, Patriots kind of get in their own way. You know, you see Phillips slip on the touchdown. You get the pump lock, which we haven't talked about, a total communication error uh, between Phillips and Jabril Peppers, thinking that the play clock was going to get restarted or bumped on the sideline. Cam Accord and Belichick were asking it to get bumped and reset. Joe Cardona didn't get that message. And as you would do for someone who thinks the play clock's about to hit zero in two or three seconds, snap the ball. Um, but you have, we, we can't even call these unpatriot-like mistakes, right? Like th this has been now three years of some of this stuff and it's been worse this year offensively, but we, we just can't keep using that phrase because you are what you repeatedly do. And this is what they've repeatedly done now for a long time, at least post Brady. And so Patriots fall down 17 to three. You get probably some of the old Belichick bag of tricks. We talked about the two adjustments that they made. You know, Duggar gets the interception totally off of film study, outstanding play by him. He probably should have been in the good section. Um, Carr gets sacked. Then you get this montage of boom, boom, boom. You know, he gets hit in completion. Here comes the punt because that's all Vegas was doing there in the second half. Stevenson breaks through, hometown boy. Things look great. And then, of course, the horrible nightmare ending. Um, and you get the last play, slow-mo, radio calls, probably a look at the spiral from Kobe Myers, who just couldn't have thrown a better pass to Chandler Jones, 40 yards to the house, and you just have the whole scene in Vegas of just, you know, the, probably some line about Myers and Stevenson gambling and, and losing uh, it all there uh, in Vegas in the desert. It's just too obvious, and ultimately they move on because this fake scenario, hour-long documentary um, that we make up, you know, is about the Patriots, and they're going to want to get on to Christmas Eve. So, but it, it, obviously a lot of time spent in the last play before then McDaniels Belichick and then some defensive comeback because it was there, man. It was fourth and 10 with less than two minutes to go. I didn't even cover that. Again, the pass rush didn't get there. Two comeback routes from Matt Collins finally gets Derek Carr going with his first rhythm of the game. The Steve Belichick was really spinning the dial. I mean, you saw zone blitzes and three-man rushes and creeper pressures, which we talked about where guy in the line scrimmage drops off. You get a blitzer from the second or third level. So it's still a four-man rush, but creates a little bit more confusion. Um, he was throwing everything at Carr. But Carr gets a rhythm because he's going to Hollins, who's six foot four against Marcus Jones, who's five foot eight. And then, of course, Marcus Jones, you know, is victimized in that touchdown by Keelan Cole, uh, who was just a little bit out of bounds, which is out of bounds. 
um, all the time because at some point, as good as you are, if you're five foot eight, you're five foot eight, and that's what happened in that play. Okay, on to the mailbag, and then we will be on to Cincinnati like the Patriots are. Five questions this week. We'll start from Lawrence D, and that's Lawrence, spelled like Maroney, not to bring up more <laughs> terrible Patriots memories. Um, quote, is it time to rip the Belichick bandage off yet? Patriots have the least talented team in the AFC East, as told to us by an anonymous AFC executive a couple of weeks ago. Um, they also give off some serious Rod Rust vibes. Ooh, Rod Rust. Uh, look, the answer from me is no, because I understand the um, the fervor and the fury about Belichick. And this is a poorly coached team, something we would never thought we would say, even for the lesser talented, good Brady Belichick teams of the 20 years they were together, they would beat better teams because they just did fewer of the things they're doing now. The thing is, for all this that's happened, they're still seven and seven. And at the end of the year, they're going to be eight and nine, I would think, or nine and eight, which is exactly where we pegged them before the season. So all they've done is meet expectations. And again, the thing about Belichick coach team is you exceed expectations because of the things that you don't do. And you wait out your opponents who will just eventually give the game away. The Patriots haven't beat, beaten a great team since Brady left. But I think the real time to make a decision on Belichick will be next year. And I don't think the crafts are going to make a move uh, in the off season, but they're going to use their third most cap space in the NFL because all parties involved are invested in being competitive. This is the right towards the end of Mac Jones's rookie contract as far as spending. You need to be competitive in 2023 and be a contender. No one's going to call them that because of what we've seen here so far. And obviously they need to make a change at offensive coordinator. If Bill O'Brien is still around, just pick up the phone, get him back in here. It, it's for, for a team that stays in the family with coaching hires, there's too much that makes sense not to do that. But if they falter next year or certainly fail to make the playoffs or have a first-round playoff exit, absolutely, I think you have that conversation about Belichick. But for now, no, I think it's a little reactionary. And look, the talent is on him. We also look at the talent coming in. Last three draft classes, Duggar and Uche and Onwenu in 2020, 2021, say we will about Mac. You still got Christian Barmore, Ramondre Stevenson. And at least now we're starting to see more from this current rookie class, which Cole Strange has been up and down. Clean sheet for two straight weeks, by the way, and pass protection for Cole Strange. Um, Taekwon Thornton, Marcus Jones, I think is a hit, is a third round pick. He's going to get better. Pierre Strong, flashing here. Okay, there are pieces here. There's enough here to not totally, um, you know, erase or discount the rookie class. It's just that's going to sustain you. That's going to be the difference. I said this at the beginning of the year on TV. It's not a sexy take, but I said this team will go as far as your first and second year players can take them. Next year, all those players are going to be year two and year three and year four for Duggar, Uchi, and Awenu. That's when, okay, you've drafted well, you've made your free agent uh, additions in 2021 and 2023. If all of this fails, it's on coaching, and there's no question about it. Right now, there's still too much going on. All right, so about five weeks ago, in the dog days of the regular season, we all know it's been a long year for the Patriots. I was looking around for a new supplement. I wanted something to give me more energy, help with the immune system with the flu and COVID coming back around. And I got to tell you, I found it. And I am so happy that they are now a new sponsor of Pat's Interference. It's AG1. AG1, what is this stuff? Well, it is one delicious scoop of 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food sourced ingredients, probiotics, and adaptogens. It's new. I just learned about them. Very important. They all help you start your day right. And this special blend supports your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, energy, recovery, focus, and aging, everything. It's lifestyle friendly, whether you're a keto, 
paleo, vegan, or if you're dairy-free or gluten-free, it contains less than one gram of sugar, no GMOs, no nasty chemicals. You'll find in other supplements, and it supports better sleep quality and recovery, which is very important. We've had a lot of night games, folks. Perhaps best of all, in addition to all that good stuff, it costs you less than your regular cup of coffee, less than $3 a day. It's cheaper than getting coffee or any of the other supplements you might find on the shelf and have to combine them. It's just one scoop with everything you need. Plus, you know Athletic Greens is trusted because it has over 7,000, that's 7,000 five-star reviews online recommended by professional athletes and leading health experts. So right now, it is time for you to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. Just one scoop and a cup of water, or for me, a smoothie per day. That's it. No need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health. And to make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com backslash garden. Again, that is athleticgreens.com backslash garden to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDSE. John Dunphy, not Dumphy, uh, as Phil once said. John Dunphy wants to know, is the Patriots offense at the point where either Patricia has to go or Mac has to go? Feel like this cannot be successful and wonder uh, wonder who Belichick feels is more important moving forward. More important is Mac. I said this preseason is that, you know, despite all of the uh, look back then, everybody was upset about Matt Patricia. Lo and behold, what actually happened that Matt could still overcome that. Like that, that's the power of a quarterback. If you're a great quarterback, you can overcome a lot as far as a bad offensive line, timing in the pocket, certain receivers with your accuracy. We just haven't really seen that here so far. I think Patricia is an easy move. You just, let him be your offensive line coach. Again, if Belichick is not going to part ways, which is something that I would do, you just let him continue as an offensive line coach because he never should have had that job and been the de facto offensive coordinator, the two most important jobs in the entire staff on the offensive side of the ball. So I don't think it's one or the other has to go. I don't think that'll happen. Again, I would let Patricia go, but I think it's a point where they'll redirect him, put him in another job, and that's what you'll see here next season. Okay, this is from at This Is My Burner. Um, no, no secrets there. Okay. If we lose the next game, meaning the Patriots lose to Cincinnati on Saturday, don't you think they should give Zappy a shot against good teams to see what we have in him? Mac could be a good tradable piece this off season. Well, first of all, if you bench Mac for Zappy, you're immediately lowering his stock and value, uh, on the market because the Patriots the teams are going to go, well, you just bench this guy. Why the hell would we want him? Um, so I don't think that makes him a good tradable piece. And I don't think you're going to find much about Bailey Zappi in just two games against Miami and Buffalo, where even if he plays really well, you're looking at what a four, you know, five, if you include the uh, end of the green Bay game and end of the Chicago game, you know, five game sample is not going to tell you anything, particularly when it's this diluted with how much time has passed. I think when you look at Zappi, again, I've said this before, the best argument for him is he's just, not Mac Jones. There's nothing about his 
arm talent or accuracy or processing or any part of his game that wows you. It's just he wasn't making the huge boneheaded mistakes or turning the ball over when the Patriots were at their most aggressive offensive in weeks one through three. He didn't turn the ball over. Things went better. You play the Lions and Browns, okay? And they ran the ball like hell against the Packers. I, there, I don't see an argument for zapping. I think it's great that he played well. It's great to have a good young back quarterback. I just don't think there's any benefit here. Even if you're out of the playoffs, you need to know more about Mac Jones, if anything, than Bailey Zappi over the last couple of weeks. Okay. Two more, uh, actually make that three more. We'll do the quickest one first. Big Huncho wants to know, would you trade Judon for multiple day two picks? No, a, because the salary is, is not going to work. You're going to take on a ton of dead money. Uh, they converted more of his base salary. The signing bonus, which basically means, okay, we'll guarantee this money for you and we'll give it to you up front. And in exchange, we get to kind of tinker with our books in the back end and open up more caps. We'll open up more cap space now and change the books later on. So no, I would not trade him for salary reasons. And B, he's your best defensive player. He's he's in his prime. Like I, I don't see a world in which the Patriots are in a better position trading a guy like that, a foundational piece, you know, for rookies who are not going to help you do what we just talked about, contend in 2023. And that's the whole goal here. Okay. You need to finish the season strong. You can make a playoff push, but ultimately we should all be starting to take one eye around the corner to next year. You need Matt Judon around that corner. Okay. I think a better question, maybe we'll tackle this in the spring. Can you have an elite defense if Matt Judon is your best player? We'll see. Uh, Ashley, 1992. Hi, Andrew. Happy holidays. Happy holidays to you, Ashley. Do you blame the lack of offense this year on Matt Patricia, O-line, personnel, or Mac, and in what order? So, uh, Ashley, I'm sure you've heard the intro. It's on everybody. It's all bad. Uh, I would go, look, you could go 1A, 1B as far as, you know, personnel and coaching. Let's put coaching up there first because, again, the blunders that they're making are, are literally costing them games. Um, personnel is not good. I wrote this a couple of weeks ago about – the, the mishandling of the offense by Bill Belichick goes beyond Matt Patricia and Joe Judge when you trade away Shaq Mason. And this is all, you know, in the aggregate. It's not one of these moves was was completely boneheaded. But you let go uh, Ted Karras in free agency after lowering your offer to him in the process as a guy who could play all three spots, was a starting caliber Garden is, could also play center. Um, trade away Shaq Mason. Okay, you flip positions with Trent Brown and Isaiah Wynn. You trade away, trade away Justin Perron, who had a bad summer, but has been at least for two plus seasons better than Yadi could just. And then you have Connor McDermott signing off the Jets practice squad. Like the personnel is bad. A lot of the moves around the offensive line have been poor. So coaching personnel, then I would get to uh, what do we have here? Um, yeah, I mean, O line's tied into there. So O line third and then Mac. So Mac, the way he's built and the way he plays can only overcome so much. He is a pocket bound quarterback with roughly average arm talent process as well. He's accurate, but that's a type of quarterback that's highly dependent on his surroundings, unless you were elite at those traits that I just mentioned in terms of accuracy, processing, and arm talent, which was always the most underrated part of Brady's game. That guy could always, age 25, 42, zip it in there, and you just don't see that as much from Mac. All right, last question. Uh, Spencer wants to know out of all the things that happened yesterday, should the most concerning thing be how bad Mac Jones look for a guy drafted for accuracy? Uh, yesterday is concerning. Yes, it is. And we covered this. So I guess I gave uh, Spencer a bone there. He got his first question answered, even though he was the last one I got to here in the mailbag. So yeah, it's a crisis. We'll see how the Patriots move on from this. This should spur change if nothing else, considering the, the bigger picture stakes, of the playoffs, exactly how you lost, which falls on coaching. It was a boneheaded move. 
and it, it's on the players. Let me be clear. Again, this was a boneheaded play by the players. The coaching call was questionable, but that play reached its natural conclusion when Stevenson starts to get tackled and then flips the ball backwards for God knows what reason, just trying to do too much. And then Myers one-upped him, uh, as we all saw. But ultimately, uh, you just can't have it. And it's something the Patriots are going to have to reevaluate. They're getting in a short week. I think that helps them ultimately turn the page. But we've heard this before, and there are only so many losses you can take like this where I think it starts to be additive in a locker room. And Joe Burrow is coming with no mercy since he just had their own big comeback uh, in Tampa against the Bucs and blew them out by the end of that. So this is going to be a tough test. So uh, I hope everyone else has a happy holidays. We will have one more podcast before that Bengals game. I think the NFL Network's Mike Giardi is going to come back do some bigger picture stuff. Mike spends a lot of time with the Bills, um, does some Titan stuff, and we'll just kind of go around the AFC in addition to previewing Saturday's game, which, yeah, really is is must win for the Patriots' playoff hopes and what is finally, you know, must win mathematically. Forget, you know, uh, everything else that we talk about here. So, suck around. Thanks for surviving. Again, always find me on Twitter at underscore Andrew Callahan, A. Callahan at Boston Herald. And I promise to get back to you with my gift to you this holiday season. So, hang in there. We'll see you in a couple days.